welcome to the Rooflines podcast, produced by Virginia Realtors, where we serve up real talk about real estate in Virginia. On each episode, we break down trends in the housing market and help you make sense of what's going on in Virginia's real estate industry and what's on the horizon. As mortgage rates continue to soar, many buyers are being pushed out of the housing market. One way for potential buyers to avoid these high mortgage rates is to assume a seller's mortgage, an unpopular term in the lending world. What is an assumable mortgage? Can buyers still take advantage of this tool? Is this a tool that seems to be coming out of its shadows? We have two special guests today to discuss with us assumable mortgages and if this could be a potential way for you to buy or sell your home. Hello and welcome to Rooflines. I'm Ryan Price, Chief Economist with Virginia Realtors. And I'm Abel Fokorje, Research Associate here at Virginia Realtors. We'll be doing something a little bit different today on, on the podcast. We have two amazing guests with us that are experts in the mortgage industry, Taylor Stork and Christina Brown. And they will be discussing us uh, with us a trending topic that many people are wondering about, and that is assumable loans. All right. How are you guys doing today? We are good. I'm fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. So today we're going to, we'll be talking about assumable loans. And um, when we're looking into the market today with high mortgage rates, a lot of buyers are being pushed out of the market and they feel like the only way to be able to purchase a home is with the lower interest rates that were available during the pandemic. But now that rates are so high, our buyers are being pushed out. But there's a tool that used to be unpopular back in the days, but now not so popular in the um, mortgage world called Assumable Loan. Um, Taylor, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, my name is Taylor Stork. I am the Chief Operating Officer for a mortgage company called Developers Mortgage. I'm also the President of the Community Home Lenders of America, um, and I am a certified mortgage banker. Awesome. And Christina? Hi, I'm Christina Brown. I am the Chief Operations Officer for Atlantic Bay Mortgage based out of Virginia Beach. And I am also a certified mortgage banker. Awesome. How long have you um, both been in a mortgage lender? I have been in the business for 26 years. 26 years. So I have been in the business for 26 years and one day, specifically so that I've been in the business longer than Chrissy. <laughs> awesome. So you guys have a lot of experience. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> the good and bad and the ugly, right? Awesome. So let's go ahead and um, dive into our discussion today. So I'd like to ask you both, what, if you can explain to us, what is an assumable loan and how do they work? So I'll go first and then I'll hand it off to Chrissy. So an assumable loan is, and these were very popular back in the 70s and 80s and, and after, but an assumable loan is a mortgage. Um, it's a mortgage that was originated by an existing owner of a property, which is then transferred to a new owner of a property. So in essence, the loan stays attached to the real estate but moves from one borrower or owner to the next borrower or owner. And the benefit of an assumption or doing completing an assumption on a loan, the benefit is that the new borrower is able to retain an interest rate 
from a period where rates were lower, which may no longer be available today. So we don't tend to see them in periods of flat interest rates or declining interest rates. We see them much more commonly in periods of rising interest rates. Yeah, and I'll just tack on to that. I mean, long and short is that, you know, you can you can assume somebody's mortgage and take their interest rate and take their payment, right? And then obviously to Taylor's point in this kind of market where, you know, affordable housing was already an issue and then you put on, you know, the higher interest rates, which really have increased the payments, right? From, again, from the 2020, 2021 um, interest rate environment, again, that was an abnormal market. I mean, this is definitely more in the uh, normalcy, if you will, of interest rate markets. But yeah, you can assume, you can assume their payment, right? And so that is incredibly attractive to a borrower that is struggling to get that house that they're looking at at a five, six, you know, six, seven, whatever the the market is that day. Interest rate, you know, that two and a half, that three is incredibly attractive, right? And so they can assume that mortgage, they do have to qualify. And there are some caveats to how this works, because obviously when you're assuming the mortgage piece of it, that may not be the sales price, right? So the unpaid principal balance of that mortgage that you're assuming is not necessarily the sales price. Then you add in the challenge right now of the appreciation that we've experienced with houses. I mean, it's been, I, I believe, historic record highs of a, appreciation year over year um, for value. And so, you know, you have a seller that's going to sell a home and they it is worth a heck of a lot more than potentially it was worth in 2020 or 2019 or, you know, whatever it may be. And so, you know, that unpaid principal balance of the mortgage, you're going to have to have that cash. Thank you so much for that. And to your point, mortgage rates now, like you said, are very abnormal. Like if I was able to buy a home at 2.5%, I'll be so happy. But now oh. at six six um at over six percent now, it's definitely pushing a lot of buyers out. I was looking at something um on the National Association of Realtors where some areas, especially in Virginia, um more the mortgage rates have pushed monthly um payments up by almost six hundred, seven hundred dollars, which is right. very costly for some for some um buyers. That yeah. will push them out and keep it into the, the rental world instead of being able to buy purchase a home. For sure. I think I think you have uh, two groups of people. You know, you got the folks that don't want to pay the higher interest rate. And mm -hmm. then the folks like to your point that that interest rate pushes them out of that qualification. Because again, that affordable housing sector is still, you know, with the supply issue. I mean, that's still an issue. And then you have that higher interest rate on top, and again, higher in relation to, not necessarily higher historically. So, I, you know, that's where the assumable mortgages do come um, in handy. But again, there are a ton of nuances that is why not a lot of them are done. Well, and I just want to, let me, let me tack onto that because there's a couple of details that become important, right? So to Chrissy's point, there's, you know, there's different groups of people that, that might assume for different reasons. When thinking about low to moderate income borrowers, um, when thinking about first time home buyers, when thinking about the, the prototypical buyer that we are, we're, we're talking about, chances are better than assumption that an assumption is not the right vehicle to use. And, and, and I'm going to try to dispel some myths here and, and you need to understand some context to, to frame this all. 
The most likely loan program for a first-time home buyer or for a low to moderate income borrower is an FHA loan program. Fundamentally, that's the math. Um, and an assumption sounds like a great idea if you can walk into a two and a half, three, three and a half percent interest rate. That sounds great, right? Because three and a half percent sounds a lot better than six and a half percent. However, there are some challenges. Chrissy made a very good point. When you assume a loan, you assume the existing loan amount. The existing loan amount is based on what the borrower was able to borrow when they bought the house or maybe refinanced it, but whenever they lasted the mortgage, which is probably when they bought the house, right? So when they bought the house in, let's say, 2021, they got three and a half percent and three and a half sounds great. But since then, the the house has appreciated substantially. So when the borrower, when the owner goes to sell that house, they're going to sell it for a higher number than what they purchased it for. Okay, so problem number one, the new buyer wants to assume a loan, which means they're going to have to make a much larger down payment than three and a half percent. Okay, problem number one. Um, Because when you do an assumption, you don't have the opportunity to increase the loan amount to meet the six... uh, 98.6, sorry, 96.5% of the new purchase price. So the challenge is if your house that you're selling has appreciated 10, 20, 30, 40% in the last two years since you took out your mortgage, is the buyer going to put down 10, 15%, maybe 20% so that they can assume a lower interest rate? That's problem number one. And, and let me come to that right quick. You know, according to CoreLogic, back in November 2022, the average home buyer has $300,000 worth of equity in their home. And that, again, that's of, you know, 2022, November of. But you think about that. If they have $300,000 of equity in their home, are they going to give that as an assumption and lose any of that? Or are they going to sell it to somebody at a purchase price of that, right? And I think that, you know, when you think about the pros and cons of these, I think that is the biggest issue, right? Does anybody, you know, do these borrowers, you know, necessarily? So again, conventional is, is a very different bird, if you will. We we personally, uh, personally, we at Atlantic Bay do not allow conventional because the due on clause, um, uh, the due on sale clause in the deed of trust. And, um, and that is an all deeds of trust, but that is, there is a majority of them out there. So we just made the, you know, decision not to do them. So you're looking at FHA and VA mainly, right? And so for $300,000 down payment, are you going to go into an FHA loan? Although that interest rate is lower, but there's still MI and all different things, you know, associated with that. And also, is it going to hit the um, the limit? So go ahead, Taylor, sorry. Um, the second thing I want to add is since the low interest rate period has kind of started moving north, since then, the price for uh, for FHA mortgage insurance has been reduced. So if you were to assume an FHA loan today at that nice low three, three and a half percent interest rate, you would actually also be, be assuming a much higher um, FHA monthly mortgage interest rate. So MMI is the rate at which you pay for mortgage insurance on an FHA loan. And the rate was 
cut substantially just recently. But if you do an assumption on an older vintage loan, which is at a lower interest rate, you're going to have a much higher rate for your mortgage insurance. Um, and that's another reason that you really have to look at the math. So at the end of the day, when you put all the math together, if a first time home buyer or a low to moderate income buyer or a credit challenged buyer, somebody that's that's walking into a transaction looking to do a low down payment, um, if that's the target audience, doing an assumption on an FHA loan is more likely to result in a transaction that requires a much greater down payment than those buyers may have access to. And it's actually going to put them into a loan program that, that although it may have a lower interest rate, it will have a much higher a rate of insurance. And that insurance rate is for the life of the loan. So it doesn't go down when one day you get your mortgage balance paid down magically to 78%. It never goes away and it never changes. That, that's a lot of information. I didn't know that your insurance will go up when you were when you're trying to assume a mortgage. That's a lot of when you get into the weeds of it, definitely a lot of details that you need to jot down to see if it's actually worth it when you assume a loan. So yeah, the one thing I would advise before anybody goes out and markets that a property is assumable, have a conversation with them with a loan officer. Sit down and chat with your with your loan officer that you work with. You know, everybody's got one or two or three preferred relationships um, that they that they partner with in some way, shape, or form, and talk through what the options are for financing on that listing. Or if you're a buyer, talk through what the options are um, for for financing on the buyer side, because the word assumption sounds really kind of marketable, but when you get into the nuance of it, it's it's a great program for a very specific subset of properties and a very specific subset of buyers. Correct. And then can we talk about the VA assumptions? Because that, you know, for Atlantic Bay Mortgage, we have done, uh, we've only done VA assumptions. That seems to be, uh, you know, the FHA tends to not work out as often as a VA. So with that, you have a whole nother set of issues. So on a VA, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about VA is that, you know, is usually because it's a hundred percent loan, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that equity position is probably a little bit, you know, tighter and there's probably not as much of a down payment. Um, if you are not a veteran, you do not have eligibility, the seller who has their eligibility tied to that property has lost that eligibility until that property is sold or paid off or or swapped out. Now, if you are a v, uh, if you are a veteran buying another veteran's property, you can, after closing, do an entitlement swap, and so you trade out your entitlement for theirs. Should you have it, so that is a reason why we have done the VA assumptions. Um, if you're not selling to a veteran, you're most likely probably not going to do that. So fundamentally, um, you know, doing VA assumptions may be a good idea in very specific circumstances. But if you market the VA assumption as part of selling the property, you may actually be inadvertently taking away the option for the seller to buy their next house with their VA benefit. Correct. So it's, it's more riskier for the seller than it is for the buyer. Oh, 100%. 100%. 
And there's a couple other things that we've seen um, from doing a, a, you know, a handful of these. Um, there has been hiccups at closing, right? Things that you would never think about, confusion as to who's responsible for that month's payment. Should it be prorated? All these things that, you know, you get down to that closing day and it's supposed to be, you know, as stress-free as possible, right? And then you're 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 debating at that moment who's going to pay this and is going to be prorated. Um, it should the contracts should have all those terms spelled out in them, um, but they don't always because again, to Taylor's point, this hasn't been something that has been relevant for many many years, and and folks just are not versed in them. There aren't a lot of them, and so therefore, um, the contracts aren't as thorough and, and covering all the bases as they would be if this was something that people did often, right? Um, you lose the escrow account. And so then there is, you know, conversations and or debates over, I mean, that escrow account goes with that loan, right? And so that technically, when you pay your taxes and insurance monthly, that is your money that you're paying in. And if you were to refinance, you're getting that back. If you were to sell, you're getting that back. It transfers over. So you also lost that and people don't even think about that until they get down to closing and they realize, oh my goodness, what about all that money, right? Um, we have had uh, situations where the title comes back and oh, look, there's a second mortgage. And you know that second mortgage is not assumable. Who's paying that off? Where's that money coming from? Um, the real estate agents still get their commission. And um, that also takes away funds from the seller as well on potentially a very tight situation. So um, if the release of liability is not processed properly following the assumption, the borrower then or seller, excuse me, remains tied to that loan. In the case of default, the foreclosure would be in their name. So those are things to kind of consider if you are going to do one and you are going to go forward with it and you're going to write the contract, consider those things, the current month's payments, the escrows, making sure that release of liability, that should be the most important thing for your seller. Make sure that is done because you do not want them to hide that property after the fact, right? Make sure that there is no second, third liens on that house. Um, that would that'd be my two cents on that. Felt like you really need to pick somebody that you can, as a seller, you need to pick somebody that you can actually trust, but that way you don't mess up your portfolio. Yeah, and to Taylor's point, talk to talk to a lender, talk to a lender before you write these contracts because there are these nuances that you wouldn't even think about. I mean, I wouldn't even think about that right until you get into it. So, looking at today's market where mortgage rates are are high, have have you seen or have any like application recently of a single loan? Yeah, we absolutely, we absolutely have. And again, I think being in Hampton Roads and a, in a, a larger military presence, you know, obviously that probably is going to happen more likely here than in different parts of the country, but, but it's still not a lot. So I say we're not doing a lot. I can give you just some color on that. Um, we have 46,000 loans that we're holding in our servicing portfolio. And out of the 46,000 loans, we've done 11. So that gives you <laughs> some color on how often they're happening. Very yeah, and that number tracks, right? So when you take a look at numbers nationally, and when you took a look at some of the largest servicers, I recently had a conversation with um, one of the top five independent mortgage banks in the country. Um, they have one of the largest servicing portfolios on the face of the planet. And I asked them how many assumptions they had done in the previous quarter. And it was not much more than the number that 
Chrissy just shared. There, the, here's the truth. The, the reality is the, the word assumption and the idea of assumable loans, it's very marketable. And there's a lot of talk about it. And there's a lot of information um, that creates some buzz. But when you get into the nuance of it, it's actually more likely to not be the best pathway either for the seller or for the buyer and sometimes for both um, because of some of these nuancey things, right? So, so we actually see very few. So what other products or ways can people go and get a loan that's not assumable? Like this is throw assumable out the window. What other tools or ways can people go in and get a loan for a home? So if I could just jump in here, it's an interesting question because when you think about assumable, what we're really usually talking about is options for the seller to market the property that they're listing, right? Assumable is really a seller-driven kind of conversation. It's based on the property um, and the mortgage on the, on the seller's house. Um, the, the challenge is everything we discussed. Buyers, when you look at who your buyer's market is, you know, you're, you're generally talking about somebody that fits into one or the other camp, somebody that needs to worry about the monthly mortgage payment or somebody that needs to worry about the down payment. Um, and obviously everybody worries about everything, but you kind of have to delineate which of the two things are your, are your primary driving factors. One of the things that we say a lot is, you know, marry the house and date the rate. Um, and we say that for a reason, because... When you buy a house today, what you're buying, you're going to still own in five years uh, or can still own in five years. When, when you finance that house, you don't have to have that mortgage in five years. There's a high likelihood that if you finance today at six and a half percent or seven percent, if interest rates do come down, which we kind of expect that they're going to for a lot of reasons, you can refinance that one and come into a more favorable financing option that simply costs you less. You can't change the value of your house, the price of your house after you bought it two years later, but you can change the price of your mortgage on that same property. Uh, in today's environment, uh, and I give this advice to my friends, I give this advice to my clients, buy a house. Because the values, in my opinion, are going to continue going up but when when an interest rate environment is more challenging as it is today, it reduces the number of other buyers with whom you're competing. So marry the house, date the rate, because we can fix that rate for you later on. There, there's a lot of options today. Um, obviously, there are new programs coming out left and right. Uh, in November, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac announced substantial discounts for first-time home buyers who are buying properties that have where the where the buyer has income equal to or less than the average median income for the location that the property is situated in and so first-time home buyers have a huge incentive to be buying right now uh we see other incentives that are working their way through the market. There are a lot of incentives. There are plenty of down payment assistance programs. There are plenty of ways for buyers today who don't have a sufficient down payment to get into a property that they can later refinance an interest rate on into a lower interest rate when interest rates come down. Um, so we see those options across the board. We see them in, 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 and we see a ton of conventional loan programs 
that are fantastic, both for the down payment challenges as well as for you know the interest rate challenges, particularly for first-time home buyers. On the FHA side, you know, FHA traditionally is a three and a half percent down payment, but there are down payment assistance programs which enable buyers to come into an FHA loan with zero down. Um, and you know, my firm does these, Chrissy's firm does these, we have these programs. Uh, we have them in pretty much every single state. Clearly, we have them in Virginia. Um, so, so there are a lot of options for buyers to get into a home today. Some people are choosing to come into adjustable rate mortgages um, temporarily, thinking that when interest rates decline later, they'll, you know, they'll refinance into a 30-year fixed. That may be a strategy for some people, might not be a strategy for everybody. Um, there are some people that are doing uh, interest rate buy-downs, temporary buy-downs, those were a popular product years ago, and they've become more, more popular recently as a means to be able to qualify for more house out of the gate. Um, so there are a ton of options. Fundamentally, though, uh, fundamentally, my advice to everybody is buy sooner than later. Uh, my personal outlook on this, we, we believe interest rates are going to decline. And as interest rates decline, the pool of other buyers that you're going to be competing with will grow, right? So as that pool grows, it's going to become more difficult to win the next purchase. So buy now where interest rates are a little bit higher, buy the house and date the rate because we can fix that rate for you later when interest rates come down a little bit. Yeah, and I, I don't have the, um, the data on hand, but I, I heard some interesting data last year, and if you compare how much folks were paying over sales price to win the deals in 21 and, and um, 20, I think end of 2020, compared to the interest is if you took that that money and you amortized it over you know three, five years, the difference in interest rate was actually cheaper than that cash being spread over. So, I mean, it, for some reason, every people were very comfortable with throwing, you know, fifty, seventy-five, a hundred thousand dollars over sales price and over appraised value. But then when the interest rates went up, they're like, "Oh, that's too much, right?" So, you know, it just is just the way it feels, right? So, I, I would, I would always, you know, suggest people look at the data and compare those numbers because it actually isn't as bad as sometimes paying over that value, right? But to Taylor's point, temporary buy down state housing. State housing is is definitely taking massive market share right now. Um, their rates are uh, definitely pretty low. So um, looking into those as well. Marry the house, date the rate. I love that. And it makes sense too, because like you said, now there's going to be less competition in the housing market when the rates are high. But when they could become lower, there'll be more competition. So more buyers have to compete against. That's actually great advice for anybody that's listening to this podcast. Don't be scared of the interest rates. Go ahead and try to buy the home. All right. So you, you stated already that um, you envision that um, mortgages are going to be coming down. Are there any other um, closing notes that you would like to state before we end the podcast? No, I think that we've covered a lot of things. and I just really appreciate you having us here today. So thank you guys so much for coming on to our Roof Lines podcast. This is going to be awesome information for our listeners out there that are wondering if they can assume a loan or not. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Roof Lines, real talk about real estate in Virginia. If you haven't already, 
don't forget to subscribe to Rooflines on your favorite podcast platform. If you have ideas for future podcast topics, please share those with us by emailing rooflines at virginiarealtors.org. Thank you.